Welcome to the Amateur Footballer Podcast. We're going to go straight into it. JT, welcome. Thank welcome. you, Robert. Thank you for having me. I'm going to go straight into it. If there's one sentence that you would want on your tombstone, what would it say? One sentence? Very good question. Um... JT Bavangila always made people better. I think that was it. Cool. I would love for you to introduce yourself to, to the audience out there and um, what you are doing, what you've done, and your hopes for the future. Okay, so uh, good evening to everyone. My name is JT Bavangila. Uh, JT stands for Jean Tourache for all my French, um, fellow French speaking people. Um, I am a professional footballer, I am a, a mentor, excuse me, I am a mentor, um, I'm a public speaker, and I'm a businessman. Um, in terms of what I've done in the past, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> we can be we can be here all night, really, to be honest with you. Um, but a lot of people mostly know me, obviously, through my uh, my footballing career and uh, more or less my community work as well. I'm quite known for that. Um, so, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Cool. Uh, and again, shout out to everyone that's um, in the chat. So you, so you was born in Congo. Um, Correct, yeah. And um, there was a civil war at the time. And um, when I've... When I've kind of done a little bit of research about yourself, you, you was you was a few months old, so you can't yeah. remember too much. But what have people told you about what was happening at that um, period of time? Um, I mean, that war was it's it's very it was very well documented. Um, it's quite known about. Um, and let me just take the chance to say that. Um, the war is not over as we think it is. Um, those that know a bit of history about um, Congo, um, there's there's always different conflicts going on, right? And um, I, I identify with both Congos, just a bit of a, a history and geography lessons. So um, you have the Democratic Republic of Congo, known as the DRC, which everyone knows about. And um, you have... Um, uh, the Republic of Congo or Congo Braza as um, other people know it as um, and um, I was born in Congo Brazzaville Congo Braza um, however I have lineage that spreads to the other Congo and also to Angola so um, within that region of um, Africa sort of Central Africa there's a lot of um, torment going on and there's a genocide that's happening um, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which um, everyone should be aware of. Now, um, when I was born, um, you're right, Therese, I was only a, th a few months old. However, um, from what I've from what I've been told from my father, um, who witnessed firsthand the torment that um, that that war um, had on on everyone, um, we were living in a small shack 
if you say. Um, not much of a, it was even in the house, to be honest with you. We were living in a small shack um, and um, the war started and um, we had to leave, you know, simple as that. We had to leave, we couldn't stay. Um, a lot of people have seen what has happened to Ukraine um, and it's it's very, it's very tragic, yeah. Um, it's very tragic. Um, a lot of people are also seeing um, what is happening um, between Israel and Palestine. I mean, so, yeah, my father lived something similar firsthand, putting me on my shoulder, putting me on his shoulders and running 20 miles away, literally with bullets flying left, right and centre. So I'm very fortunate to be alive today and um, I, I don't take that for granted. Yeah. Is it is it like something that you know you and your parents talk about op openly? It's not, it's something that um that we do talk about openly um because it's something that shapes your life. It's something that changes changes everything, you know. Um you you depending on the way you were living before um, you could be someone of higher status or you could be middle class or it doesn't matter. Once something like that happens, it changes everything and it changes it forever. And um, the conversations that I have with my parents is um, not, it's not one to, to um, uh, how can I say it? The conversation is not to, um, to renew the trauma, you know, because um, the trauma faced from that, from myself and obviously my parents, um, my dad in particular, um, it, it's it's he has healed from that, and we don't want to revisit that. However, um, we need to keep on speaking about it because we need to realize how how differently life could have been. You know, I mean, I still have um, friends and family um, in Congo who who didn't die from that war. Um, but their, you know, their situation is unfortunately very dire. So, yeah, it changed everything. So from Congo, you moved to uh, Paris, and from Paris, you moved to London. Uh, what age did you arrive in uh, London? So I, I moved to London when I was five years old. Um, and again, that change of environment for such a young young person, for a child, basically, it's um, it was it was traumatic. Um, moving to London, um, move straight into um, East London, um, what people will call the ghetto. But I think with gentrification now, it does. It's nothing. It's nothing like that anymore. And um, moving to a new country is is something. If you have not experienced it. Um, it's pretty hard to detail, you know, um, learning a new language, um, you know, uh, adopting to to the school system here. I was bullied for for a very long time um, when, when I arrived in 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 London, in England. Um, but then you just gradually acclimat acclimatize yourself to the environment and um, to the people and you you identify those that you should be around and those that you shouldn't um so let's kind of talk about your your kind of um your like moving to football um yes um when was the first time that you 
that's either yourself or someone around you realized that you had some sort of talent and you know it was something to actually pursue i think i was always destined to play football um i remember my mom telling me specifically and I, i'm laughing because i don't know if this correlates or not but you, you can tell me or people that are watching in the comments you can tell uh, you can tell me whether this is relevant or not right so my mom told me that when i was born i had a lot of hair on my right foot now i don't know if that's <laughs> i don't know if that's common uh, i don't believe it is common um i don't even know what that means but um yeah um sometimes like african parents like to make something out of nothing um <laughs> so um i'm not sure whether there's much in that but um I'll say all of that to say that I really do believe that I was meant to play football. Um, my dad played football himself. Um, unfortunately, he didn't. He he couldn't. He didn't play to a professional level because, being in Congo as we were, um, the footballing system, the footballing pyramid, um, doesn't give you as much exposure. But he's he's, he's a very good player, a very very good player. My uncle played as well. Um, and again, they were playing um, in Congo, which, of course, they, they couldn't have the exposure that I had received. Um, so it's some it's it's in the blood, I can say. Playing football has always been um, in the family. And um, when we moved, my dad started training me from the age of maybe six, I would say. Um, whenever he whenever he could, if he had some free time, we would go on runs and everything. But um, uh, I never really, I personally never believed that I could become a footballer until um, until late on when I was probably, I got scouted when I was 12 years old. And uh, and yeah. and she, when you said that you got scouted, um, were you playing uh, no, so, Little League? No, so um, it, was, it was very strange how that, the whole thing even happened. Um, I wasn't just, although I say that I was destined to play football, but um, I wasn't any good. Not, <laughs> let me just, let me just make that clear. I wasn't, um, one thing I had is I've, I've always been tall for my age group. I've always been tall. So I had height, I had natural strength, I had physique um, and I could run. So um, later on in my career, I progressed into becoming a centre back and everything, but I never started there. Um, when I was eight, when I was seven, eight years old, my dad signed me up to a local team. At the time, I think they were called um, um, F FC Stingers, if I remember rightly. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, we're talking 20 odd years ago. Um, I think it was FC, F FC Stingers, if I'm not mistaken, at um, Millfields Park, um, Clapton. Um, uh yeah near Clapton roundabout those who are from the Hackney area East London you know what I'm talking about um so there um I was actually a a a, a winger um believe it or not I was actually a winger um and then obviously I was playing for the school team but I wasn't always playing because I wasn't that good um I couldn't even make the district team at that time district was a fantastic way for you to get scouted a lot of um People around my age, they got scouted through district, and they went on to they went on to play for um, some teams in the championship and even some teams in in the Premier League. But I wasn't I wasn't that good, so I, I didn't get scout scouted through district. And um, 
my dad always told me that if you want to play football, you have to train every day. Every day you have to train. You can't, you can't, you know, it's either you're going to do it or you're not, you know, it's either you're serious about it or you're not. So uh, randomly, um, I believe it was uh, during the summer holidays of 2009, I want to say, something around that time. Um, I literally, I just took my ball and went to um, a local astral pitch um, called Mably or Mably Green um, in Hackney, um, um, next to Hackney Wick. Um, and yeah, all I was doing was literally practicing. Um, I was I was passing the ball onto the fence, and um, practicing controlling passing both foot, left and right foot. And there was um, there was a man at the time who was very known in the area. I didn't know him then, but I later on found out that he was very known in the area. Um, Charles Wright. He was he was actually training um, uh, professionals. Um, at the same time so i was on one side of the pitch they were training on the other side of the pitch and i i knew them um the the people that he was training i, I knew some of them you know you see them sometimes on the television or if you're in a local if you're from the area you know you just hear this this and that player is you know he's playing for this team and that team and um the training was very intense um and he he saw me and he he asked one of the one of the players that he was training at the time do you know this do you know this lad and the I'm not going to name the player um <laughs> I'm not going to name who the player was but he said he said he said to Mr Wright yeah I know him but don't waste your time with him he ain't no good that's what he said to that's what he said to Charles at the time Mr Wright and um Charles ignored him he called me over he said come here um uh, what's your name um where you from who do you play for I said, I don't have a team. I just, sometimes I play for my school team. Um, and then he was like, well, do you, you know, where are your parents? I would love to speak to your parents. Um, my parents were not home at the time, but my uncle was home. So he needed to speak to a guardian, someone older, of course. And uh, <laughs> to Brees, when I tell you that I've never ran so fast home in my life, <laughs> I left everything. <laughs> I left everything. I ran home to my uncle, Uncle Nelson. I said, Uncle Nelson, you have to come to the park now. He said, what's going on, bro? I said, listen, there's this man, I don't know, um, but he he said he just he just needs to speak to um, a guardian of mine of some sort. Anyways, I took uh, Uncle Nelson to the park. He spoke to Uncle Nelson. He was just, they, they planned a meeting um, um, with my parents and everything. And he came, he came by the house and he said to my parents, he said, look, your boy has talent. I, I can see a player in him. There's a few things that he needs to work on. Um, but I am willing to help him with that journey. And honestly, that's when my football career, I can say, really started. Because um, before that, um, he he was the first person, I can say, that really, truly believed in me. Even, even at a time that I did not believe in myself. I suffered from very, very bad low self-esteem. Obviously, you know, we spoke about my story briefly. Um you know, um, surviving the civil war and all of that. I just didn't think that I was worthy or I was just, I didn't think I was worthy of life. I didn't think I was worthy of um, anything good in my life at that time. So even with football, as much as I enjoyed playing football and I loved it, I lacked confidence and he really brought that out of me. And um, he spoke to my parents and the following week, he took me to Arsenal Football Club. 
And my gosh, what an experience. What an experience that was. Um, I can't remember who was the academy director at the time. It wasn't Steve Bold. Um, it was, it was, it was, uh, I think his name began with a C. Sorry, I, for the life of me, I've forgotten. Um, but um, yeah, uh, he told me to Arsenal Football Club. And imagine you've literally gone from playing park football. Um, I was playing at Mabley Green, Hackney Marshes, and now I'm at Arsenal. And that experience alone was was crazy because, <laughs> listen, anyone that's anyone that's played like academy football, when you play against Arsenal, you know you're playing against Arsenal. Like the academy was, especially back then, the academy was a joke. Um, you had people like um, in, in my year, um, there was um, Alex Uwobi, um was training there. Um, you had people like Ainsley, Ainsley Maitland-Louds was there, Tofari Moore was there. Um, and everything, when I say to you that everything was was of quality, calculated, even to like the footwear that they wore. I remember being laughed at because um, I came in some wrinkled, crusty old Total 90 boot, Nike Total 90 boot, and they all had like the latest boot because obviously they play for Arsenal. You have to exude class. And um, that was my... Uh, and I've always wondered, like, wow, why did he do that? Why did he take me there, knowing that I wasn't ready? But he believed in me so much, saying that this is where you belong. He'd done that to me because he knew I had a confidence issue. And he said, to, he just basically wanted to prove to me that I am worthy of being here. And this is possible. Like, this is attainable. You can do it. You have to work, but you can do it. Like, that door is open for you, you know, should you choose um, to walk through it. And um, from there, um, literally, training program was devised. And I can say from like um, year eight, year nine, until I left secondary school, every day I was training. I was training with Mr. Wright. Um, I used to take the bus to Onestead Flats. We used to train over at Onestead Flats every single day, whether it was raining, snowing, thunderstorm, everything, man. And um, that's, that's, that's what's built me to be the man that I am, even outside of football. That experience, that graft, that grit um, is what's made me the person that I am today. So I owe a lot to um, to Mr. Wright. Um, I want to shout out everyone that's um, in the in the chat. Big uh, shout out to Mr. Um, Johnny McD. Shout out to JoJo as well. Um, Joe like Evans has kind of asked what um, what like standard uh, did you play, and literally we will. We will kind of delve delve into that um, a little bit more. Um, uh, Johnny has said that you kind of played for Southampton um, a few years ago, and and again he's kind of giving you your like props regarding being um, um, a pro pro player. Thank big you, shout, Thank uh, you. Big um, big like shout out to Wimbledon Town FC, um, and and again. Big shout out to Johnny McDee and Jojo. So from so so from Arsenal, um, again, um, I would I would like literally love to kind of know um, your like your like progression from like Arsenal to to your next club because again I'm again how, how many games did you play for Arsenal? Was it kind of just training no. with the um, academy team? What was yeah. the whole process like so with um with arsenal i did i didn't sign for arsenal i did not sign for arsenal um 
um, I was I was training there. Um, obviously, it's like it's, it's, it was it was trials, right? It was trials. So um, training with a view of potentially signing, but I was nowhere near ready to reach. Like honestly, it's like <laughs> I remember one training session. My mum came to watch me play and she almost asked the coach to pull me up because I was suffering. I was blowing, bro. <laughs> I was, I was blowing, man. The tempo is, is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's zip fast, everything. And like, even down to the drills that they were doing, you can't mess up. If you mess, if you mess up, you slow everything down mm-hmm. and you mess, like they're so meticulous in how they're trained. And again, I came from park football straight to Arsenal. Like there, it, there wasn't, there wasn't time for me to adjust to anything. So, um, yeah, I did not sign for Arsenal Football Club. Um, I trained with them. Um, and then I went back to um, one-to-one training um, with Mr. Wright. I wanted flats in marshes all over London, to be fair. And um, there I went to, from there, I went to Charlton. Uh, I went to Charlton Football Club. Um, again, similar situation, trial um situation and um i remember playing with um i'm so i'm so i'm smiling as i'm saying this because he's gone on to do so well um i remember playing with esri consor who's now at aston villa um and you know big props because um he made um he got his england call up um yeah i got some funny stories about esri um <laughs> <laughs> yeah um who else was there joe gomez obviously now at liverpool uh, and a few others were there and um Charlton Charlton wanted to sign me there was this Italian coach that mm, ironic I just I've just left Italy um yeah there was an Italian coach there um who absolutely loved me he he absolutely loved me and he wanted to from the first day he wanted to sign to sign me and um this is where I tell you that I kind of feel like without you know saying uh, too many names, but a few agents um, let me down, especially at crucial times, because um, I know you know people will say that um, I've you know I've gone on to do well for myself, and which is true, and I'm very fortunate because listen, I'm just a kid from Congo, right? But um, uh, I always wondered like if this had come to light, if this had happened, um, who knows where, where I'd be now? I, I would have even achieved greater things. Um, so the Charlton wanted to sign me and the agent that I had at the time, which is even crazy to think, just put this into context, right? I'm like, at this point, I'm probably 14. I'm probably 14 going on 15. Uh, actually, yeah, I was, cause I was playing for the under 15s. Um, and, um, yeah. So, and, sorry. And, so, okay. Yeah, so she, okay. so she, so you, so like you had a representative at the age of thirteen. This, this is this is what I'm saying. This, this is why it's ludicrous, right? Because it's like, I've, I've, I mean, now I, now that I'm, I'm older and I'm wiser, looking back, I feel so passionate about, passionate um, about this topic because I see it even now. Like, there's there are ten year olds, eight year olds that have agents, and it's almost like you know, is 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 that right? Like, I know the game has developed and everything, but surely that needs to come into question. Anyways, I, I had um, I had a representative at 14, and when I wanted to get signed for Charlton, he said to the club, he, he gave conditions and stipulations, right? 
and um um yeah that 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 ruined my chance of getting signed because eventually he, Charlton said to him like look um we would love to have your player in but this that whatever you're asking for cannot be fulfilled you know we're a small club um you know we just we just try to to manage our budget our things um and this is not for now all I wanted to do was to play football I didn't even I didn't even know about all of those things you know um and I don't fault my dad as well because obviously I'm a minor and the agent's dealing with my father and my father is also new to the new to this so he didn't knew better he didn't know better sorry he was just trusting what he was being told through the representative who had experience and said that he wanted to help his son. Um, anyways, cut a long story short, um, that deal fell through, went back to, to training. Um, and I was getting a lot of interest, even to the point where I was on, I was on Chelsea's books. I was on Man United's radar. Um, I still have, I still have, um, letters from um from Chelsea Football Club they were quite good at getting back to us um so yeah my name was buzzing my name was buzzing here and there and everywhere and people were kind of speculating get, getting to know but again um my representative at the time um it's, it was difficult for anyone to accept his conditions and and, and can I can I ask what yes what conditions um oh was he asking and you know literally after after the well yeah i'd say the rejection from charlton yes then that like, must have been a very candid conversation you know um it, it's it's you know um if if like charlton have, are like so interested but like they've turned down the opportunity to sign you because of the t's and c's yes um there must have been a very open and honest conversation with everyone to actually really find out why um yes there was um like i said at that time i wasn't i, I mean i wasn't negotiating my own deals or anything you know i didn't know nothing of football um within that you know that level i was just a player in fact i say a player i was just a child man i just i just loved playing football because for me that was my escape Football gave me the confidence that I lacked, you know, um, due to all the traumatic experiences that I had experienced in my life. Um, so I didn't know too much about um, what was going on in that situation. And um, I know that um, the line was crossed with my representative when um, uh, uh, this said coach, this said Italian coach came to my dad personally we had a we had a preseason game against barnet we had a preseason game against barnet um and i remember specifically because at that time um esri esri was playing in midfield esri console was actually like a midfielder um at that time um and i i, pl I played right back that game um oddly enough i played right back at that game but Either way, the coach was impressed. So he gave his personal card to my father and he said, look, I really want your child. Like your child, is he's really good and we really want to sign him. Here's my card. Your representative, your rep um, the agent that you guys have is, is basically like stopping your son from progressing. 
here's the card. Now, what the Italian coach didn't know is that um, the agent was there and he saw that transaction and he wasn't too happy about that. You know, certain agents have this ego about them, you know. It's almost as if, like, they they own the player and it's like, this is this is my asset and, you know, um, I'm, I'm handling this, you know. How dare you go directly to his father? You should come to me if you want to discuss any dealings. Anyways, um, this man was very... Um, was very manipulative, I can say, because he really got into like my father's head. And again, I go back to him saying like my father didn't know any better. All we know is loyalty. So when that happened, my father, my father, basically sided with the agent and said and said to the agent, "Look, you know, this is this is the card. Like, I'm not even gonna call the guy. Um, you can do what you want with it, but I'm sticking with you. Me and my son are gonna stick with you. We trust you. We trust your plan." For us and everything um and we will go forth with you regardless now i later found i later on found out that what the, what he was actually asking for was um a house to be bought from uh for me and my parents he wanted a house to be bought for me and my parents um he wanted um let me remember specifically this was a long time ago let me remember specifically um i think he wanted us moved from the area um to Brice, honestly, it was just, it was, looking back in retrospect, it was conditions that did not need to, he didn't need to say all of that. Do you know, I always think like, whether it's money, um, you know, all, all the all the materialistic things that we want in the world, I'm always of the belief that that will come. So long as you do the work, that will come. All I wanted to do was to play football. Just get me signed. Get me signed and let me play, let me progress. And, all of that was to come at the time. But he was coming from it at an, uh, at an angle of, listen, um, you don't want to sell yourself short from early. You don't want to be known as the player that just accepts any deal and is cheap, you know? So that's why he put those things in um, um, in those in, in that position. Um, if I could change things now, um, I would do things differently. And I did. So I when I turned at the age of 16... I finally cut things off with that agent. He wanted me to go and play in, oh God, um, there's a team in Northwest London. Uh, forgive me, I forgot the name of it. Spurs? <laughs> Sorry? Spurs. <laughs> no, 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 it's, um, it's a non-league it's, oh, okay. it it non team. Um um, are they still in non-league? Um, I forgot the name of it for the life of me. Sorry, I have a really terrible memory, as my friends will tell you. Um, I forgot the name of it, but he he wanted me to go and uh, train and play games there because Man United were coming to watch me. He said, "Look, um, Man United want to come and watch you, um, but you have to go and play and train in this club." Now, bearing in mind, I'm. I'm six, 15, 16 at this point. Um, I'm still in school. I'm doing my GCSEs. I said, I said to him, I said, look, um, I can't, I, I can't do that. I, I tried it a couple of times, but I live, in, I live in Hackney, East London. You want me to to go to school for the whole day, finish school. Um, I don't even have time to go home. I have to go. I have to start because it's like it takes two hours or so to from from where where I was living 
to get to and to get to the football team. I have to get there. Obviously, we have to train. That's another two or so hours. And then I have to come back, revise, do homework, do my GCSEs. I said, look, I still want to play football, but you need to find me a closer club. I can't I can't keep travelling like that. Um, he basically said to me, there's, there's no other club. Um, this is this, this is it. This is the only club that you can that you can go to in order for Man United to to come and watch you, and I, I didn't make sense to me. I'm just like, if Man United want to watch me, they can come and watch me anywhere. Like, why must I go to that specific club? He said, no, that's just the way it has to be. So I said no. I said to my dad, I said no. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too long. It's too stressful. And um, my parent, the dynamics. I'm fortunate enough to to have grown up with um, both my parents, and um, their dynamics is very interesting. Um, my mum is more of the academic one. My mum is more of the academic one. And um, my dad is the one with a lot of um, life experience, I can say. A very hardworking man. Um, my mum was always... When I, when, I, when I was 12 and I got scouted, I said, my mum asked me, do you really want to play football? I said, yes, I do. She said, you have to promise me two things. She said, one thing you have to promise me is that... Um, you must you must get a good education like you have to study well okay because obviously we never know what can happen in the world of football um injuries whatnot you have to study well so you, you must be educated do well in school second thing that you that you must promise me is that you're going to try your best and what that meant was you, you're giving your all so it's not like today you're committed tomorrow you're not no if you're going to do it do it do it right try your best those are the two promises that I made to my mum. So with that in mind, when I was doing my GCSEs, I'm not travelling to Northwest London twice a week and playing on a, on a Saturday. It's too much. Find me a local club. Uh, the agent at the time didn't want to, so we parted ways. And that's when I went on to play for London Elite with Clasford Sterling, if anyone knows Clasford Sterling. Um, that's where I went. Um, when I was 16. Now, this is a men's team, by the way, um, just for those that don't know. Like, this this was a men's team and it wasn't your ordinary men's team. It wasn't a Vets. I know I know you're well-versed with the Vets, um, Tavriz. Um, it wasn't quite that. There were a lot of good players, players that just got released from academies um, that were there. Um, and um, a lot of them, uh, what, I, I was the youngest in the team. Um, I was I was 16 at the time playing men's football um, alongside um, Jude Sterling. Um, if anyone knows Jude, <laughs> character Jude. If anyone knows Jude Sterling, I was his centre back partner um, at, um, at London Elite, and yeah, even even everyone involved in that um, in that team at the time could see my talent there. And um, uh, a funny story, just. Before I went to London Elite, my dad was um he was he was a minicab driver, um minicab sorry not minicab Uber he was doing Uber, and um, with every passenger that got in his car he would ask them like I've got my son who plays football like do you know anyone that works with him football that can help him like he's really good this that and the other someone said to him he said look we know this guy he works with a lot of players he, he does a lot of work in the community his name is Clasford Sterling take him to Clasford and if if Clasford Sterling says your play your son is good then your son is good because if he's not he will tell you then and then don't come back here don't waste my time like they only want the best of the best I went to Clasford Sterling um 
at that time they were training thinking wood green somewhere and um within 10 minutes 15 minutes he said your son's good like we will sign him like we'll take him on and that experience was very good for me because i played that i played that whole season with them next to um ex-pros next to people that um obviously just left academies and um the mentality was different um i learned a lot from those players and um the se the season came to an end um i went on holiday i went back to congo um for the first time since i moved to uh, to the uk and it's after i came back from congo that um that i got scouted by southampton mm. um what was the one thing that you learned from junior? Oh, sorry, not junior elite. Sorry, London elite. London elite. The one thing that I learned from London elite, um, uh, I think the one thing I learned is that swearing is okay because there was a lot of swearing in the dressing room. <laughs> there was a lot of swearing in the dressing room. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, the one thing that I learned um, from London elite First, on a personal note, was that I'm I, I can actually do this, like I can actually play and play at a very high level, because the the people that I was playing with at the time, like I said, they were you know ex professional like Jude Sterling, my um, centre back partner, like he big time pro, played at Notts County, this that and the other end. Um, um, there was another there was another brother there called Theo. Um, I think he was at Reading and then he was at Arsenal. Just just all these different people, just being amongst them um, really helped with my confidence. Like I said at the start, I suffered from low self-esteem. So in imposter, imposter syndrome was very much a thing for me. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm just a kid from Congo. I, I, even, say it's, I, I even say it today, uh, I'm just a kid from Congo, which... Um, um, my friends really don't like me saying because it's it's almost as if I'm like um, uh, diminishing myself in a way, you know. Um, but yeah, being in that space taught me that I I'm capable and I'm worthy of being there, and um, that um, belief is everything. Belief is everything in anything that you will do in your life. Without belief, you you like you you. You remove like 50% of it being possible, you know? Ability aside, belief is almost 50%, you know? Um, and once you have that belief, there's nothing, pretty much nothing that you, you, you can't do. Um, on a more technical side, in terms of footballing terms, being amongst that group, um, it... it, it it showed me that, um, or it taught me that um, being um, being soft. Soft is not the right term. Forgive me, Tabriz. Um, you said soft, so you know we we will like stick yeah. For lack of a better word, but it's almost like um, uh, I, I don't know how to explain myself. Um, it's just like. Again, the, the the gentlemen in that within that space in that environment, they they went for everything that they wanted aggressively. So if you did not have thick skin, don't matter if you're 16, 15, 17, how young you were, you're you know, they'll they will tell you about yourself. So 
you have no space in you have no space to feel sorry for yourself you know and some people to some people that could be a negative for me it was a positive because throughout the whole course of my career even in my personal life outside of football I love a challenge tell me not to do something I promise you I'm gonna do it I promise you I'm gonna do it you know that's the mentality that um that um, being in that environment um gave me so I'm very grateful for for that experience so you was at Southampton's academy how um, how did it, um, everything go with Southampton so with Saints um again uh, I went on holiday to Congo I came back um this was 2014 2014 2014 I believe um if I'm not mistaken um yeah because Mauricio Pochettino was still was still um um the manager of um, Southampton at the time so um uh, I, I got invited to to um, I got invited to a showcase game, uh, a showcase match. Um, again, there were some um, some players that just got released. There were some players that were looking to sign, um, and the showcase game was in London. Um, some people from Southampton came to watch the game, and um, there was a coach at the time called Neil Benson. Um, Neil Benson, um, yeah, Neil Benson, the Godfather. He um, he liked me a lot, and um, he he invited me down um, to uh, Southampton, and um, and yeah, um, I think that's when my football went up a level. I would say um, because up until then, I was just known for being tall quick strong um technically um um uh, not the best um and tactically especially tactically um not really impressive really um but being in that being in that environment being in that space the thing about southampton southampton have always had a great academy even from you know from way back from the days of you know um Theo Walcott, Gareth Bell, um, they've you know, James Wood Prowse now. I mean, they've they produce like um Harrison Harrison Reed, they produce so many like good players. The thing about Saints when you play for Saints is it doesn't matter your position, especially um, the football at that time with Pochettino and everything like the football philosophy is it doesn't matter your position, you have to know how to play football literally, like with the ball on, at your feet you have to know how to play football and that's when i learned how to play out from the back imagine i'm i'm at this point i'm what 16 something and i'm just learning how to play out from the back like i'm i was way behind everyone at this point but this is why like in life you need everyone needs a saving grace everyone needs just that one person to see your quality and to believe in you because again, imposter syndrome. I'm walking around with a Southampton badge. I'm, I've, I, you know, if I get hold, if I get days off, I'll come back to London. I've got my Southampton tracksuit. People are looking at me, and I'm looking back at them like I can't believe it myself, kind of thing. Um, imposter syndrome was was really a thing um, at that time for me, and I really had to battle with that 
because I didn't think that even though the signs are, the signs keep telling me that you're deserving, you, you have to be here. But in my head, I'm still battling the feeling or the thought of, do I really deserve to be here? Um, so yeah, 16, I'm learning how to play out from the back. People have been doing it since the ages of under 10s, under 8s, you know, now, and I'm just learning how to do it. Good thing about me is I'm very adaptable. I learn fast. So playing out from the back really improved my game. Neil Benson kept on saying, he kept on repeating the words, pictures, pictures. When you get the ball, pictures, what picture do you see? And when you make the wrong pass, stop the session. And one thing, um, there's a lot of managers that I see, or a lot of coaches I see now um, who are very good at being coaches but they're not good at being managers. Similarly, managers now are not always good at being coaches. It's two different jobs that a lot of people don't understand. Managing a football club and being a first team coach, like it's, it's two different, it's a two, it's a different skill set. And I feel like there, um, there is like a, like a dearth of, of coaches, good coaches, quality coaches these days, because no one would take the time anymore to actually teach you or to coach you like how to do it it's almost as if you must know you, you must it's either you know already or they don't want you whereas back then they took a lot of time with us to to actually coach us um everything that we needed that we needed to know and um uh yeah that was that was an experience in itself um uh experiencing you know academy football for the first time um and especially southampton was a cat one academy um i'm i'm, I'm sure there's still are cat one academy um playing against um you know ironically arsenal playing against west ham playing against um reading um so many different teams obviously um and the pace of the game um but um yeah it was a good experience. Um, I didn't get my professional contract, unfortunately, at Southampton because I damaged my meniscus um, in the final year, like the year that they were they were handing out um, the pro, the professional contracts. So I barely, I barely played um, towards the end of the season, and um, uh, and yeah, the I missed out on my chance, and I had to move back to London, which again messed with my mental health because remember i've just gone from here to boom cat one academy cat one experience lifestyles changed um you know you've got people doing things for you and now you have to step out of that space and come right back down um and almost like almost start again you know um and again my injury wasn't really healed there so i've gone from that to non-league football at this point and I can't describe the like the the difference is is night and day, is night and day. It's it's easier. It is easy. Ask anyone that's come out of that environment, like an academy environment. It's easier to play academy football than non-league football. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. So um, so Southampton released you when you was about seventeen, eighteen. I was eighteen. So from eighteen. You moved back to London, yeah. Um, and you know, again, you've you've kind of openly, you know, speak about um, your kind of mental health, which yeah. which is kind of something which is which is kind of quite 
well, not prominent because you know um, I think prominent is is the kind mm. of wrong word, but how how a lot of young boys, especially, um, kind of go from as you said before playing academy football where everything is taken care of now mm. having quote unquote n- nothing and then going into non league, mm. you know your your kind of sense of well being your sense of self-worth as you've kind of said quite a few times that kind of imposter syndrome it you know all of you know all of that's probably just been kind of compounded and probably confirmed right in terms of how like you are feeling about yourself oh yeah it, it was it was a really difficult time um for me and like you you've seen people that um that you grew up with you know they're they're seemingly doing well for themselves. You know, people that went down a different path. Um, you know, I chose football. People um, uh, people went on to... Some people went into work straight away. Um, some people went into university. And, you know, you've, you've got... You've got your family at the, you know, back of your ear just yapping away, you know, saying one or two things and... Um, it can it, it can get to you, man. If you're not strong, it can get to you. Um, and I, that's one thing that again I speak passionately now because there is there is no aftercare once you know once the, once a player leaves a team like there's you know the saying goes there's no loyalty in football. There there isn't really no loyalty in football. You can be a great servant to to a club for so long, and if if they deem you um not useful to them anymore that's that's you done my friend you know that's you done you know they give you your p60 and and yeah that's you have to you have to figure it out um for yourself and um we i feel like especially in this country like uh, we're going to speak i've played abroad as well but especially in this country they um they really like like build you up they almost build you up to like just drop you down and it's really it's really um it's it's really not good um I, I think there needs to be less of that like when when a young player is developing just let them develop um and don't give them too much as well i feel like players are given too much too early now and i mean i come from good backgrounds you know two parent households so this old everyone everyone held me accountable everyone um everyone kept me humble but if you don't have that good support system around you, of course it's gonna to get to your head, you know. Of course, of course you're gonna feel on top of the world. Of course you're gonna feel invincible. And a clubs, clubs, whether they they realize that they do it or not, but they do do it. And there needs to be boundaries in place set early so that if it doesn't go, um, if it doesn't go well for the player, at least it wouldn't be. It wouldn't it wouldn't be such a high drop you know at least they, at least they'll have a soft landing a comfortable landing but um again when you're when you're 14 you've got representatives you've got you know your name's being buzzed around you know you're hearing Chelsea here you're hearing man United there um you know you you think you think you think you've made it and that's the mistake that a lot of players make you know just because you've signed for an academy don't mean you've made it you, you haven't there's still still a lot of work to do you know um so yeah the aftercare wasn't there for me and um 
it, it really messed with me back to the point where I didn't enjoy football anymore. I didn't enjoy football anymore. I had to, I had to get a job. Um, I had to get a job. Um, but I still wanted to play, though. It was difficult, man. It was tough, but I still wanted to play. And um, in the back of my head, like, there, throughout, throughout the course of my life, there's been certain signs at very pivotal points to point me to football, even when I wanted to um, to stop on a couple of occasions. Um, there's just been certain signs to tell me that, no, you need to keep on. Like, there's, there's more for you um, in the future. So, um, yeah, I, I got a job. Uh, I was a door-to-door fundraiser. Imagine. I was a door-to-door fundraiser, which which was again a good experience for me because I'm I'm fortunate enough to to have experienced life outside of football as well. I haven't been in an academy system for so long that I'm almost um, brainwashed or um, I, I'm not aware of like what's going on outside of the world. And you know, I have a lot of respect for people that that work nine to five, so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I've got a job. Um, worked, played football. Uh, I think I played for Ilford for a bit, Ilford FC. I think I played for uh, oh, uh, nah, not Redbridge. Um, I did play for Chingford. Okay. I played for Chingford. Um, and I, I don't even know what and um, what what step they were in at that point. I didn't I didn't care to breeze. I just wanted to play football. Honestly, I just wanted to play football. Um and I knew that my, my father kept saying to me like you just need to play. And even leaving Southampton, one of the coaches said said to all of us like those of us that were leaving, um the key the key is to keep on playing. Like just keep get yourself somewhere and just keep on playing. If you're good enough, it will show. And that's what happened to me at Chingford. I played for Chingford um, for a bit. Um, I didn't even complete the season. It I, it got to um, around January when the transfer window opened, and I moved to Belgium. And I remember, I remember um, speaking to some of the lads there, and um, uh, there was he's gone on to be a manager now. Um, and there's a gentleman called Shane Baptiste who. Uh, I think he manages uh, Woven Forest, not Woven Forest, um, Woodford. He manages Woodford FC now. Um, Shane Baptiste, uh, he was actually, um, he was still playing around that time, um, right back. Um, and yeah, he, he's been, he's been, he was playing all around the football pyramid for a long time and. Um, because I was already playing men's football from 16, so I was I was well versed in what to do, and yeah, I had to yell at him a couple of times. Um, but um, um, yeah, um, being around that environment really um, really helped me get the exposure that I needed. And I left um, middle of the season January. I moved to to, to Belgium um, to play for um, AFC Chubis, who were in um, who just got relegated into the second division in Belgium, um, um, which would be, um, uh, yeah, like that, the equivalent of the championship at that time. Um, Woodford Town, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Shane, Shane manages Woodford Town now. Um, so, yeah, um, again, 
moving to Belgium was an experience in itself. Um, luckily, I speak French as well, so the language barrier was easy um, to overcome. Um, but again, the thing about football to to Brice is that there's some people that would. It's all about opinions at the end of the day, right? Um, some people think Lukaku is a rubbish striker. Some people think Lukaku is great. Everyone has the strong points. I remember when when I was at Saints, Neil Benson said to me, "You have to look at your team or just every player, um, regardless whether you're your teammate or not. Take whatever they're doing that's good and apply it to yourself." You know, the good thing that they're doing, apply it to yourself and try to develop yourself in that in that way. When I went to Chubis, um, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't well received because the club really received me well. They put me this day, I was staying at um, the national team complex. So where the national team um, stays and plays, the equivalent of St. George's Park is where I was staying. Um, I even met you know, some of the players, Roberto Martinez was was still managing um, Belgium national team at the time. Um, and again, it, it was a, it was a wonderful time because my father would come and watch me play and he would, you know, um, he would come to the hotel as well. And I remember the first time he, he's, he, I remember the first time he, he saw Roberto Martinez. And again, coming from where we come from, it's a big deal to even be in that environment. You know, he's looking at Roberto like, oh, Roberto, is that you? Roberto Martinez obviously doesn't know who this guy is. Just like, do I know you, brother? Like, <laughs> um, but for him to get that experience is one thing that I'm proud of, um, because he never got that opportunity. Um, Chibis was good to me; they took care of me. However, um, they didn't see my value at the time, and um, again, um, I didn't. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I didn't. I didn't stay long at Chibis. I don't even think I stayed six months there. Okay. I don't think so another setback that made me move back to London. And at this point, my, my mental health was at its lowest. And now at the end of 2018, I decided that I'm going to, I'm going to take a gap. I'm going to take a gap here. So in 2000 and the, the whole year of 2019, I didn't play any football. I didn't train. I didn't play any football. Um, there was other things that I wanted to to focus on as well. My thing is, I've all, I've never wanted to, to only be a professional footballer. Um, I've always felt that I've, I'm, you know, I'm I'm capable of being um, more than a um, professional footballer. Um, a lot of that was part, well, not a lot of it. Um, that's partly to do with um, um, for for all the hopeless romantics of the world. There, there was there was a lovely long young lady that I had an interest in. And um, I said to her, I said, look, um, I would love for us to be together. And um, she she literally, she said to me, she said, nah. I said, why? She said, you're just some footballer. Like you're not, you're, you're just a footballer. As if, as if being a footballer is, I don't know. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think it's a, it's a quite commendable job. But um, yeah, so I always said, I'm going to be a lot more than a footballer. So I used 2019, um, to uh to work on um uh my projects um through my organization um i have a passion for mentoring young people and yeah it all started in 2019 for me i didn't play any football but but i didn't play any football but i was missing football i was missing football and um fast forward january 2000 and 
20. So on the 20, on the 30th of January, 2000 and 2020, um, I had a mini stroke, which was again, ironic because although I wasn't playing football and I wasn't training um, every day anymore, but um, occasionally I will keep, I will try to go on a run, you know, a little five aside here, five aside there, try to keep my fitness up. So I didn't gain too much weight. I was still relatively fit and I was still relatively young, but um, I had a mini stroke, um, which, you know, forced me into, into hospital. And whilst laying on the hospital bed, I had a, I had a new appreciation for life and um, the meaning of life. Um, you know, they say that life is too short. You never truly know what that sentence, um, what that sentence means until you actually experience um you actually experience you know a near-death experience for example and um i was just like nah this this can't be the this can't be the end for me there's still a lot more for me to do so um uh i mean i i'm a, I'm a spiritual man as well i'm a very prayerful man and within um prayer it was revealed to me that um my auntie said that she saw me on television playing football which um which was crazy because like they and I, I never once spoke about my career like that to um to that side of my family but i took it as a sign to breeze i took it as a sign i left the hospital and um i wanted to play again um but i remember like i said my father told me that if you want to be pro you have to play every day you have to train every day so i'm i'm about i'm about 20 23 now uh 22 or 23 now so people a lot of people were telling me to give it up man they're saying come on bro man you're 22 you're 23 man you're you're still out here trying to make it like come on man give it a rest but i had great temerity in my belief in my in my ability you know i had the courage of my convictions um to say that i'm gonna do this and i did it you know i left the hospital um i found I found an um, um, there is an academy that I believe is closed down now. Um, uh, there was an academy called Elite Pro. Forgive me, give me one second. Elite Union Academy, sorry. So what Elite Union did, uh, I believe they closed down now. Um, what they did was they got players from all over the world um there was players from australia from the us from i believe mexico if i'm not mistaken um they come to they come to the uk um they were young they were young though so they come to the uk they study and they play football with a with a view of um obviously um being scouted to play professionally and um uh i spoke to the manager um, because there was a cap. It's from 16 to 23, I think mm -hmm. it is. I spoke to the manager. I said, look, uh, I don't, I'm not looking for any money at this stage. Um, if you would allow me to just train with you guys and just play, you know, your um, your um, your matches, um, if if no, if if I'm eligible to play. And um thank God he accepted. Um uh, I think the manager at the time was there was there was a manager uh, called Gareth. And um, there was another one called Ange. Um, 
uh, two great guys that I, I owe a lot to because being at that academy um, at that age, I wasn't, I wasn't embarrassed at all. Um, I was not embarrassed at all um, to be around um, around that setup. I was the oldest one there, so I was the one with the most experience as well, and I had to coach the younger guys as well. But the main reason I went there is because they trained every day. That's the main reason I went there. They trained every day. They trained at um, um, oh god, terrible with names. There's a there's like a like a four G pitch, um, in 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 Highbury somewhere. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very known four G pitch um, near Highbury. Anyways, they trained there every day. Um, and they played matches sometimes against um, uh, other academies as well. Sometimes they travel abroad to play against um, uh, other academies. So um, I just said to the guys, like, please just let me, play. just let me play and play the matches so that I can get my fitness back. And um, I did that. And at the at the end of it, oh, I did that whilst. A lot of people don't know this, but obviously I'm not I'm not in a professional setup anymore at this point. So I'm not making any money. So I was working as a domestic cleaner at that time. I was I was working for a company called EMOP. Till this day, they have my picture on um on their Facebook. I was working for a company, a cleaning company, domestic cleaning company called EMOP. So what I had to do is go to people's yards, clean their clean their toilets, clean their bathrooms. Their, their kitchen, their dirty living room, their bedroom. And you'll get some people who are, who are extremely rude. Um, the reason I did that is to was to allow me to play football because that the work, you basically got work through your app. So whenever, you could work at any time. So whenever you wanted to work, um, you just go on the app, check what jobs are available, you click it uh, and you go and work. That kept me going for, a bit, you know, uh, I could buy my football equipment, my boots, everything I needed. Um, but I did that job in order to fund my football career. These, these, this is the length of like where, where I was willing to go and what I was willing to do in order to make it. a lot of people wouldn't do that because who wants to be, you know, cleaning people's toilets and stuff, you know, and, and imagine I've, I've come from like, you know, a professional setup, Cat One Academy and everything like that. So I could have been like, no, I'm too good for this, you know, but I knew that I had to, I had to do that. At the same time, just before that, sorry to Breeze, I was also training with um, uh, a, a gentleman who has an academy, an academy? Um, a footballing school for, for kids uh, called Elite uh, Elite Pro Sports, I believe is the name of it. Um, his name is Lester Thomas, if people know Lester. Um, I, I went to Lester as well. I was training with under un, under 18s, under 16s. Um, bearing in mind, like, I'm a big man now, but <laughs> I didn't care, you know? I didn't care. Um, I wanted to, to give myself the best chance of being successful and through the back of doing all of that i signed my first professional contract um in uh with links fc in gibraltar premier league wow amazing amazing and and again um just for everyone out there like we will be going into jt's career outside of football but um 
for you know for the kind of time being yeah there's um there's like a few more things i would like again you know if you're kind of comfortable talking about you you um you like say um that you was um, harassed yes bullied um there was kind of racism there was physical and sexual assault yeah. um i don't know in terms of where what you know if it was in football outside of football but you know um if you're kind of comfortable in terms of talking about um an incident regarding one of those um topics you know um i would i would i'd be very interested to hear one of your stories um yeah there's man there's been a few traumatic experiences um yeah i've faced all of those things um um there are certain things i'm not i'm not quite comfortable speaking on just yet um I mean, I think you've got you got that from the article, right? Yeah. Um, sure. Um, and I had and I had to say that because one thing about me is I don't want I never want to paint a pe perfect picture of myself. Um, I don't never want to paint a picture that you know I, I have it all or you know I've, I've I've made it and you know the life my life's perfect and I haven't been through things. No, it hasn't always been. Um, you know, flowers and chocolates. There have been some very difficult moments, um, but um, it's it's made me the man that I am today. Surely, um, to, on racism, bro. It's like, um, um, yeah, racism's everywhere. Racism's everywhere. Um, I live. I've lived in a few places, and um, I'll give you a more recent example. Uh, that happened this year, in fact. Um, uh, I'm in Italy. Um, uh, it was training day. I go to training, and um, I'm. It was it was an open training, so um, the club done an open training, so fans could come and watch. Um, <coughs> excuse me, fans could come and watch. Members of the public can come and watch. Um, so um, you know, naturally. You know, I'm I'm always appreciative of of everyone. You know, despite you know whether you're the CEO or you know the the cleaner, I, I always show the same level of respect to everyone, um, and I don't pick and choose where that goes. And I have a lot of respect and love for people that spend their money to come and watch us play. You know, fans that do that. So I go over. Um, I say buongiorno, say hello to the fans. Um, and there was, it was two gentlemen in particular that I said hello to. They looked at me. They didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> they didn't even bat an eyelid. Um, they they actually had quite a disgust look on the face because um, I wasn't I wasn't the only um, uh, I wasn't the only um, black man on the team. Um, there was a couple of us and we kind of just stuck, 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 stayed together kind of throughout the whole course because, again, we were all facing the same challenges, right? Anyways, I say, I say buongiorno, come over, um, I get nothing. My teammate behind me 
literally right behind me because we were doing um uh we we're doing a bit of SAQs ladders to um to warm up and stuff. He's right behind me, comes over, says buongiorno, and then oh buongiorno, come stay apostle tutto bene. And I'm just like, well, that's weird. Like I literally just said hi to you, and you know, you don't what is it about? I mean, I know what it is about me, but um yeah, so that's never phased me though. Um it's 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 been something I've always faced all my life, you know, kind of um uh that, that side of things. Um yeah, the 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 harassment and the bullying also um again that was a lot of it is outside of football. Even even the sexual assault is outside of football. Um I, I've I've had I've have heard some disturbing stories of of it being done in football, which is disgusting, um, and it's not okay. But my particular case example was was just, was outside of football, uh, and a lot of the trauma that, that I've experienced um, ties into football. Um, but a lot of it was done uh, outside of football. Obviously, free school as well, um, being um, um, being an immigrant in this country and uh you know just so, so silly stuff to be man like my name my name's jean terrash right now anyone who knows french uh, uh jean is a very common french name and then you come you come to this country and people are called because it's j-e-a-n so people yes, are called jean oh, jean, oh, jean, jean. Yeah. oh oh you're right slim fits what's going on big cop <laughs> you know jolly and um <laughs> and um yeah, stuff like that is is is, is petty stuff, um, but um, it, it it can have a, a a detrimental effect on you. You know, like I said, you you get the feeling that um I'm not supposed to be here, you know, and um it got um it got so bad to the point that um you know you you almost question whether you still want to be here, you know, without getting so dark. Um, into it, you know, and it's a very, um, it's a very touching topic, man. It's a very touching topic, and um, uh, yeah, I think on another time I would get into like the specifics of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah because you know we're right next to Christmas and yeah. everyone should be happy. So, on um, another time I'll speak more on that. Yeah. No. On <laughs> honestly, JT, thank you. Thank you for like you know you know even sharing. Um, I would like you know just love to know what's the one thing that football fans do not realize about the professional game. Like, what's the one thing you know? What's the biggest bugbearer? Um, the biggest bugbearer. Very good question. I think for different you ask different footballers, they'll give you different answers. Um, one thing that's always that's, that has always annoyed me is when I hear people say that you know uh, fo football is not a real job. That um, oh, that gets on my nerves. That does um, because it's like you're almost negating everything that I've done in the last twenty odd years or whatever. You know, like you. You're diminishing my my achievements. Like you don't. No one wakes up to, today and becomes a professional footballer tomorrow. 
there's a lot of sacrifices, like even not just for myself as well, like my parents, you know, they, they sacrificed a lot because I speaking to, so I do a lot of um, community work now, youth work now, as, as you all know, and um, just some, a lot of um, phil um, philanthropic um, work now that I do. And um, uh, one parent was saying to me that they, um, their child wants to play football, but um, they don't have the the time to, to be taking them to and from football. Um, so imagine the parents that do take that time. It's a sacrifice that they're making as well. You know, so the hard work doesn't just come from the player, but it comes from the whole support system. And you have to, you have to um, acknowledge that. And then there's the whole thing about um, footballers get paid too much money, this, that, and the other. And listen, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that oh, footballers are underpaid. Nowhere near underpaid, despite the the forty percent of tax. You you know they're still still very they're still very well off. Okay, like f f from someone who has come from nothing, um, someone who's come from from Congo, like I can't, you know, which is, you know, the second second poorest country um, um, in the world, um, economically, not in terms of resources and materials, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, yeah, I can't say that, you know, footballers are underpaid. Uh, footballers are well paid, um, but what goes with that is to say that footballers are paid too much for just kicking a ball. Bro, it's not just kicking the ball, man. For, football, football is a school of life. Football teaches you um, life skills. Football teaches you communication. Football teaches you um, 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 creative thinking. Um, uh, football teaches you how to have um, um, uh, how to how to not have a fixed mindset for example and how to have a growth mindset you know because within growth mindset comes um belief you know um, without belief you can't grow you know and um if you can't grow you can't improve you know so they go hand in hand football football is a school of life you know football teaches you how to handle rejection for example you know football teaches you how to be humble when everything's going right for you you know so that's 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 something that that grinds my gears when i hear people um kind of dimin you know diminish the work that we do and just the everyday the everyday life of being a professional footballer you know there's it's it's people think that being uh being a pro footballer um the hardest thing about being a pro football is like the physical aspects of it so the training and um um, yeah, all the fitness work and the running and all of that stuff. Um, don't get me wrong, like it's hard, um, but it's only hard if you're not taking care of yourself. If you're taking care of yourself correctly, you don't find it hard at all. I mean, you actually enjoy it. You know, you enjoy running. You enjoy um, everything else that it um, that it offers. Um, but for, the hardest thing about being a pro footballer is not really that side. Is is the mental side of it. You know, when a player is not perform, <coughs> excuse me, when a player is not performing, most of the time is not due to his fitness abilities. He could be fit, but mentally, if everything else outside of football is not set for him, if he doesn't have peace, 
he's not going to play well at all. You know, prime example, um, Paul Pogba, what a player, what a player, quality player. No one can, no one can say that he's not a good player because if you watch Pogba, it's prime and you hear what people say about him. Trey, I believe Trey Dini said when, when he was playing against Pogba, like you can't get near this guy, you know, but he had a, he had a time where, uh, especially when he was at Man United towards the, the, the latter years um, of his of his Man United career, he wasn't really performing the same way. And then all this stuff about, you know, um, his brother blackmailing him coming out and stuff. And then you realise that, oh, okay, cool. We understand. Another example, Delhi Ali, everyone was scrutinising him. Um, <clears throat> everyone was scrutinising Delhi Ali. How can someone who was supposed to be the next best thing after um, Paul Gascoigne now ends up in Besiktas and now he's, you know, he's, you know, he's barely, I don't even know if he featured for Everton yet this season or not. But, and then, you know, you hear about his life and everything else that's going on in his life when you say, okay, I get it, you know, I get it. So in order for a footballer to perform mentally, he has to be, um, he has to be at peace, even, you know, from, um, uh, his partner or her partner um, to the kids, like everything needs to be at peace. I'm, I was watching the um, Ben um, Ben Foster podcast, and he was speaking of like the role that um, that um, your partner plays in your life, um, and if that's not if that's not right, then again you you, you will be unable to perform. You know, I, I had it personally. Um, in my career, um, uh, I can't remember who, who, who was I playing for exactly. Um, I, but I just had a horrible game. I had a shock of a game, shocking game, and it's un, unlike me to play so poorly. And um, what what people didn't know at the time is I was dealing with a loss. You know, um, I just lost my I just lost my spiritual father who was um yeah he he was like yeah he 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 really like trained me to to be um you know the man that i am today in terms of my principles um and my belief system and yeah i didn't voice that to anyone but i was grieving and i was, I was playing and you know i I really commend and salute all the players that are able to do that. I think Frank Lampard lost his mum and then he had to play, was it the Champions League final or something? That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, the mental toughness that it requires, um, I have you know, I have a lot of respect for. So, yeah, handling the mental side of football um, is tougher than, than you know, the physical training that, that we do and everything. So, um, yeah, I just wish a few more people had a lot more respect for pro footballers because there's a lot that goes on that you know you have no clue to 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 agents and you know managers and like being out of favor on the team and again favoritism i've i experienced favoritism when i was in um when i was playing in spain um yeah to the point where it's like you know that um you're not playing bad you're actually playing good um but for whatever reason you're being demoted to play for the under twenty threes or the reserves team, the reserves man, the reserve manager is looking at you, thinking, "What are you doing here?" Um, 
is reporting back to to the first team manager saying that he's like he's he's exceeding, like he's doing so well, like he should be playing. And then you're looking at the first team, and you know you keep losing games, and the, the team's not playing well, and then the manager sticks to his principles or his people, or you know his surrogate sons, and keeps playing them, and you're sitting in the stands with the fans, and they're like, "Why are you not playing?" And then you, you don't know what to say, and dealing with all of that side of football um, is is tough. So yeah, people should have more respect. I would like love to get your your thoughts or opinion about visual visualization, um, and and if it's an an important thing um, for like footballers. Oh yeah. Um, Visualization is um, is everything. Um, the way I understand it. Let me ask you though. What do what uh, do you mind elaborating on visualization and what it actually means for you? Um, for like me, it's imagining myself. Like again, I'm you know I'm a kind of centre back myself. So in especially in um, big games that I've played, um, I have always. Thought I'm going to win my first header, my first tackle, um, you know, my first, you know, interception, you know, uh, and again, you, you can, you can kind of actually coach your mind into, into actually believing that way before the game starts. So you know, everything just becomes a lot more natural when it actually does happen. Yeah. That's 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 a very very crucial thing to do. Um, I'm pretty sure every player does it. Um, if they don't do it, then I'll be curious to know. Um, like, I'll be curious to know why they don't do. It. I mean, I I always done it through the course of my career. Um, yeah, visual, visualizing what I'm gonna do, how I'm gonna play. Um, you know, like you said, from from everything, especially that first pass. Man, once you get that first pass out of the way, if if your first pass, your first touch, if the if it's horrible, oh my god, bro, it's it's tough, man. It's it's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be a long day, especially you know. You say you're centre back, right? Imagine you have your side has kick off now, and um, uh, you know you have your attack. You know, in front of you, you have your midfield, and then you have your striker. Um, kick off. The striker passes it back um, straight um, straight to you. Uh, from from kickoff and then your first touch and then obviously he's passing it back the opposition is coming to press you now your first touch is a set, instead of it being away from the play you pass it right in the middle and it's a loose touch and then they nick it in the score oh brother it's a long day it's a long <laughs> it's a long day so concentration concentration visualization is 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 very key um and it plays um um there's something called um uh, uh, uh RAS R A S um which stands for um uh the retrive active system if I'm not mistaken I think I I've just butchered that but um <laughs> Uh, if if you Google it, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, 
but it's basically um um there's something um uh in your brain that's constantly working and it's constantly um uh, memorizing um what's around you right so we have this thing you know when you like you when you buy a new car yeah you buy a new car and then suddenly like you're seeing that car everywhere like you mm-hmm. like when you're driving you're just noticing like oh there's a lot of these cars right I, I, you know um that's because you've you that's that's your rest like activating um that's your rest working sorry it's because you've you've made it a thing to to remember um that car now it's now important to you so you're now paying more attention to it and now means more to you it's the same thing um in footballing terms um when you're uh when you're playing and um um everything that everything that you're doing you you will now begin to um to 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 make importance out of it right so you're not remiss about your touch anymore you're not remiss about your past anymore um you take extra care of everything and the more you continue to do that that's why they say like you can only get better with games because you doing it once it's not enough you have to continually continuously do it every match every match keep on doing it and without you knowing subconsciously before a game even the night before it's now ingrained in your mind that you're now you're now seeing it everywhere you know as you're sleeping you're seeing your first pass you're seeing that long ping you're seeing that interception um you know you're seeing yourself making the run and everything and it sets you up for the game it sets you up for the competition without doing that um you would you would you would be doing yourself a disservice because it it it, sh- it may come across as if you're not prepared <clears throat> you're not prepared so visualizing what you're going to do is part of um the preparation of of the game um and you just say um you have to um you have to firstly you have to firstly believe it before others believe it right so not just should you visualize it but also speak it speaking speaking it into existence holds a lot of power i was i remember i was i was introducing myself as a professional footballer before even i signed my first pro contract which is which is crazy to some people but um that's that's me speaking power into my life i was introduced i remember i'd done um because I'm also a public speaker, right? I've been doing it for a long time. And even before I signed pro, um, <clears throat> there was an event that um, that I went to um, that I was a keynote speaker for. And um, yeah, I, I, I after after the event, I'm greeting everyone and say, hi, uh, my name is JT Bavangila, I'm a professional footballer. Hi, I'm JT Bavangila, I'm a professional footballer. Hi, I'm JT Bavangila, I'm a professional footballer. I'm putting that into the atmosphere. I'm putting that into the atmosphere. And without knowing, um yeah without without knowing how that's come to um that has formulated itself and it's come to pass that comes from the belief so similarly when you're visualizing what you're going to do on the pitch also say to yourself that yes i'm a great defender i'm a great attacker i'm going to score two goals i'm going to make an interception i'm going to don't don't limit your your tools what what we're speaking about these are tools so speaking it into existence um, speaking, 
speaking power into your life, visualizing your life, visualizing what you're going to do in your life, uh, visualizing what you're going to do on the football pitch. These are tools. These are these are creative tools that we have that we need to we need to all use constantly, regardless whether you're in fo- your your um, your in football or whether you're um, you're not in in football. These are tools that we have in our disposal that actually do work, and the more we use it the more we will actually see um, its effects. So, yeah, every player must must visualise, really, what they're going to do. CR7, well, I kind of already know your answer. CR7 or Messi, and why? <laughs> Woo! I love this I question. Know. I love this question. Yeah, <laughs> the battle of the goats. <clears throat> right. Now, with this question, it purely comes down to preference, I believe, anyways, because there's no denying that they're both great. Honestly, no one no one can say that CR7 is not great. No one can say certainly say that Messi is not great. For me, personally, um, I, I side with CR7, and I'll explain why. Um, um, Messi, Messi is a phenomenon. You know, and I, I, I even can't believe I said that because he he tormented us in that Champions League final against Man United twice. He done it twice. <laughs> like <laughs> the guy's a joke, honestly. Um, um, but the reason why I side with um, with CR seven is because I I can relate to CR seven a bit more. Um, for me, CR seven um, is the hardest working footballer you would you would probably ever see all footballers all professional footballers work hard it's like I, like I said 10 minutes ago it's a very difficult job but the the discipline that this man has is is something that um even me as a fellow professional footballer I can only applaud honestly because um he um I think the reason <laughs> Why side with CR7 to Brees is because I've seen a lot of um, players with potential over the years, you know, um, good players, you know, they have a lot of potential and, you know, they're skillful, um, they have a bit of swag um, that um, similarly to what CR7 have um, has, sorry, um, but they don't have the discipline to actually turn turn that skill or um, that swag into anything, anything substantial or great. Um, Messi is a talent. I'm not saying Messi doesn't work hard because he does. I'm sure he does. You can't, you know, you can't get to that um, level without, without being hardworking. But Messi, for me anyways, he's more of a, he's naturally gifted, you know, his footballing brain is crazy. Um, And that's a natural thing. But with CR7, um, I've seen a lot of players similar to CR7, but CR7 has had to work on himself. And you've seen it, like when he was at Sporting from when he drained Man United and um, he, you know, he was playing as a winger, doing all the skills and and from him being direct, becoming direct and ruthless, like he's had to work on that, work continuously on that. Whereas Messi is more of a natural gift and I relate to work. I've come from work, you know, if I am the man I am today, if I've managed to have a bit of relatively, um, a bit of relative success in football, 
is is because of work and determination and never giving up and that's that's what I see in Mr. Ronaldo and that's what I respect a lot and that's why for me CR7 over Messi. Wow, okay. Nicely said. I love that. <laughs> so um Christian. if like you was going to create a documentary, yes, what would what would be the name of your documentary and why? Oof. Oh, bro, bro, bro. I want to say it, but I know someone's going to steal it, man. I know, I know, I know someone's going to take it and run and run with it. Um, okay, well, uh, well, you know what? You don't need to say it. As say long it. as you know. Look, look, I, I, do you know what? I, do you know what I'll say? It? I'll say it because even if they do take it and run with it, um, it will never be as, as great as, um, as um as what's in my head because it's not their story to tell you know it will never be their story to tell and um i have the first hand story well i am the story really um yeah so without you know delaying any further i would i would call i would name it after um the name of um uh, or the initial name of my organization it's now rebranded and renamed, but originally the name is The Art of Survival. I will call it The Art of Survival because that's my story. That's where I've come from. We didn't, we, we didn't even touch on, I mean, we spoke about the war, I mean, the civil war and everything, but we didn't even touch on like me just growing up in London and what I've experienced. And I grew up in a time where, you know, knife crime was at its peak peak knife crime was at its peak um you know me um uh, getting myself in fights in the park um me on a different occasion being chased home at knife point like i i, I still have a scar on me um on my stomach in fact till this day that reminds me every single day of like how fortunate and blessed i am um to be alive today you know, like I've 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 really been through 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 the wars. Um I'll call it the art of survival. Um and I would hope that the documentary would show to many people that um you are more than um you're more than your background, you're more than your age, you're more than um, than your surroundings, you know? Like, just because you you come from a certain background or just because um, I'm through no fault of your own, <clears throat> um, you grew up in a very hostile environment, um, toxic environment, um, that doesn't define who you are, you know? You're, you're bigger than than um than your area code and um you're bigger than than the four walls around your house so the our survival is what i'll call it jt um thank you thank you so much um yeah. anyone that's um, watching this all of your all of your contact details will actually be in the description um i am absolutely sure what that will be delving more into um, your 
your kind of character, your your kind of angels, your demons, and and like not let only educating the audience, but also educating me. And um, and again, I just want to say that this has been um, almost months in the making. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, and, so uh, I, that's my fault, though, man. I, I've, I keep delaying, and my schedule is jam packed. And forgive me, Tabriz. No, no, you know I'm not having that. There's no need to apologize because I can also believe um, the right time will always be the right time. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. And literally tonight is was and will be the like right time. So yes, um, JT, thank you, thank you so much for your time. And, thank you. you know, I've enjoyed this. And again, um, anyone that's kind of watching, um, either live or on replay. JT's details will actually be in the um, description. My name is Tabrice. JT, thank you so much for uh, for like coming on. Please like, subscribe, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Tabrice.